You know, it's only fitting that our first podcast in our second year of podcasting to open up the year is with The Grinch, Kyle Wilson. He's on talking 2018 movies so far. So let's just get right to it, huh? Let's get at it. Cue the music. and I. You need to talk about what this is, though. This is this is the anniversary podcast. August 19th. We're here. We've made it a year. And I was going to get some champagne, but oh. I'm having one of those days where the alcohol, like, alcohol, I cannot. You consume. can't, you can't, like, be in the, you can't be in the liquor store. No. Yeah. They don't even have, they don't serve, they don't serve champagne at, like, Walgreens in New York. No, but I was going to get champagne, we were going to pop it, so imagine, if you will, <laughs> that that's happening. Wow. Oh, bubbly. Oh. Oh, it's so good. Some. It's so delicious. Mm. Wow. It's so nice. Ah. What a, what a special treat. Little, I don't have any glass to make a ting. Ting. There we go. Um, oh, <laughs> you hitting your glass on the Cheers. wood. Cheers. Cheers. Yeah, we're really, we're really lo-fi today. <laughs> um. So, it we we haven't discussed movies in a while, and so I want to talk about The Shape of Water. <laughs> Why are we talking about The Shape of Water? <laughs> we just talked about those Oscar movies so much last year. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I had to edit so much of of us talking about the like fish sex and three billboards over the course of three months. Thank God I'm never gonna have to talk about those movies until next year when we're talking about the Oscar race and comparing it to this year. Yes, that's when we'll have to talk about it again. Yeah. Um, but, but right now it's the off season. Yeah, it's the so off season. Who even so remembers? No, this is my on season. Year. This is my. This is the best part of the year. Summer blockbusters, baby. Oh, okay, got it, got it. See where it is. Well, you will be talking more about those than I will. Yeah. So that's good mm-hmm. that you are on it with those. I try, you know, I really, I really try to bring it. I don't know what you're gonna think of my list. You're, you're probably not gonna like it. Listen, you're gonna get two probably very different lists. Yeah, that's good though. Do you and think there's also, gonna be one movie that is on both of the lists? There'll be three. Do you think three? At least, okay. at least three. But I will say this: I feel your list, America, Kyle's list is gonna be better than my list today, because Kyle has really put in the groundwork, like a good, like a good grassroots political campaign. Kyle has done the homework. He's gone to the movies that I have not wasted my time with. Not wasted my time with, that's the wrong word. He's gone to the movies that I should have seen, but instead I was too busy seeing Rampage and Skyscraper with Dwayne and the Rock Johnson. Excellent. Um, and so, I did not see those, so Jimmy will be able to inform you. Of what yeah, I'll the, be able to inform you that you're fine not to see them. Unless you love Dwayne the Rock Johnson like I do, and then you know you, you have to see them. Same way that you would have to see your mom if she was in a movie. Um... Do I compare The Rock to my mother? Yes. I don't That's know very why. Interesting. She's very maternal. It's a maternal relationship. Very Papa Bear, young cub. Anyway, um, so Kyle's list is probably going to be... Your list will be way closer to what it will be at the end of the year than mine will. Like, I, I fully expect Maybe, five of your... there's still a bunch of movies coming out. Of course, but I expect, like, you... There's so many good... Like, I have not seen... This is... Just, like, control your shock and awe. Hold your shock and awe to the end. 
But I have not seen 8th Grade. I have not seen Won't You Be My Neighbor. Mm. And I haven't seen either of the Joaquin Phoenix movies. You Were Never Really Here or They Won't Get Far On Foot. All of which I've heard really, really great things about. I also haven't seen Tully, which I hear is fantastic. I haven't seen... I want to <laughs> be... Does, I have not seen Hereditary because I've been too afraid. Yeah. We, do we want to talk about that? We've t- uh, First of all, Kyle's just traded me out for other filmgoers. <gasps> We were supposed to see certain movies together, and Kyle. Well, we, you know what else I need to go see? I need. Oh, you saw it. I need to go see Blind Spotting. I didn't see Blind Spotting. Yeah. No, I saw Blind Spotting. That's like the only one that. Is, so those is really quality. Those are not. If you if you're like, where is Hereditary? It's just because Kyle was too scared to go see it, but he's <laughs> gonna go see it soon. And I'm waiting to see it with Kyle, but Kyle keeps getting scared. I'm f- so nervous to see it. Sam French saw it, mm-hmm. and he said that it's the scariest thing he's ever seen. He did not. He said that. It's the scariest trailer I've seen in a long time. It was a terrifying trailer. He said it's the scariest the movie noise, The noise that they make with their, like, the... I don't think I even saw the trailer. So terrifying. I make that noise on the phone when I'm thinking sometimes. So I, oh I did it. I was talking to my dad, and my dad had seen Hereditary, and I was like, Ah, it's the thing, it's the... And he was like, ah! he hung up. <laughs> just, and he like he just fainted, passed out. <laughs> Dad? Dad? What's wrong? So Um well, yeah, that So that I that's like a big that's like apparently very good hereditary. Yes. And she's getting buzz. She is. Tony Colette. Well, she she like runs that movie from what I hear. Um, from what I heard. All right, cool. So what are we doing? So we're gonna so go, we're gonna through, go through our list. Yeah, we're gonna oh, go this through. This is gonna be so fun. Top 10. We didn't do top ten the first time we did this last time. Oh, did we do it the second time? I did it, but you were being yeah. coy. No, I'm ready. I'm ready. Right, M- mine's just. I feel bad about mine though because mine's just not gonna be as authentic to what it'll be at the end of the year. Well, neither will mine. Um, but, well, like, cause I just wanted to like. I like that the at the end of the year, like half of the original list is still on it. I don't know if that's gonna happen with this. Uh, with this have a little bit with mine. Okay. Well, that's good. Um, okay, so do you want to give your ten, your number ten first? Um, yes. I'm... Oh. So this is... We're halfway through the year. We're halfway... Give, give the spiel. Give we're the halfway spiel. through the year. Yeah. We saw the movies. Yep. And we're going to talk about which ones were the best so far. And we're doing a top ten. Yep. Are you still jiggering your my, top ten? Well, there's one on here that's I, not that in sounds... my top ten. There's one on here that's not in my top ten that I feel like I'm going to take shit for. So I'm debating whether or not I want to take shit for it or explain why I left it off. Explain why you left it off. Okay. Well, let let me just... Okay. I'm going to leave it off. I'm not going to succumb to what I'm being told to do. I'm going to do what I want to do. Yeah. Um, all right. Great. Well, I'm doing what I want to do, so... Okay. Well, Incredibles 2 is not in my top ten for the year. Cool. And, and I haven't I even seen it. And I loved Incredibles 2. I really loved Incredibles 2. I just... My main qualm with Incredibles 2 is that I didn't feel like it added anything. And I, I love sequels, as you will find out, because I have a couple sequels on this list. The The same way that... I have a sequel on my list. Ooh, exciting. I know which one it is. <laughs> um, wait until we get to that movie. Uh, but... Essentially, I wanted to... I'm putting on socks. <laughs> Kyle just opened up his dresser. 
I'm gonna in put the sock fast. drawer. Oh, this is so funny. I'm so sorry. We're just wasting your time, America, or wherever you're listening. Shout out to Turkey. A lot of people listen to this podcast in Turkey. Do they? A lot of people in Turkey, the United Kingdom, which makes sense, Australia, Japan. Japan's coming through with views or listens. Wow. I'm sorry, I got distracted. Incredibles 2. I didn't feel like it added anything. I kept waiting for them to do something new, and as I What's may or may not, what's Incredibles 2 about? Well, so there's this family and they're superheroes. I know what Incredibles <laughs> is about. Um, and one of them runs really fast, and the other one goes invisible. Can you tell me what Incredibles 2 is about? <laughs> Incredibles 2 is about, essentially, they're trying to bring superheroes back into the forefront of America and of the world, and so they get a PR person, played that by Bob... difficult. Played by People Bob Odenkirk. are to superheroes these days. Yeah, well, played by Bob Odenkirk, and they essentially decide that the superhero to, like, bring superheroes back is Mrs. Incredible, because she, or Elastigirl... Elastigirl! Uh, because she's really good at, like keeping damages low and she she's really good at maintaining a situation and and being the hero but also like being safe and not damaging so the stuff. father gets jealous yeah so the father but it's actually fun it's a fun little trope because the dad essentially is like trying to survive staying at home and being a stay-at-home dad and it's amazing because like he's probably struggling more than elastigirl is the whole film um but i just what I think a good sequel does is either completely throw out the first one and say we're going to take these same characters or maybe the same feeling of the first one or whatever and make this whole new thing similar to like like the why the wire season two is incredible because the wire season two is like we're going to take this same formula but we're going to completely change all the ingredients like empire strikes back yes exactly um However, or or the other thing a sequel can do really well is say, okay, well, these three things people love, and we're going to blow those three things out really big. Like a, I, what I think Deadpool 2 did really well. Um, so you want to pick one of those things, and I didn't feel like they picked either of those things. I felt like they stayed doing similar things to what the first one was, almost the exact same things. And then, and it also was eerily similar to Spy Kids. Um mm-hmm. And, and then I was like, oh, that was really good. I just expected more of it, especially after over a decade. Um, well yeah. past 15, over over 18 years, 17 years. You just expected more. So that's why Incredibles 2 is off my list. Big fan of the movie, but it just, it had I had higher expectations. So. Yeah. Um, cool. A couple other things. Uh, okay. Uh, I want to say this. Cloverfield Paradox. People that are coming for it, you're idiots. Cloverfield Paradox was really good. So, that's all I'm going to say about that. Go see it on Netflix. It's really good. That's all I'm going to say. Are you giving a million honorable mentions right no, now? No, no, I can't. I liked Ocean's 8 a lot, but where was the where was the Matt Damon, George Clooney um, cameo, huh? Huh? I'm the biggest Ocean's fan that there is. You're telling me you couldn't get Brad Pitt, George Clooney, or Matt Damon to be in that movie? Well, don't you for think... For two seconds? Don't you think they're trying to do this? Don't you think they're trying to do Ocean's 8? I mean, no, because they wait, did... wait, and they're gonna do Oceans Nine, and they're gonna do Oceans Ten. Yeah, it's gonna bridge. You're right. Somehow, Gosh, this is why Kyle's here. I get all riled up. He settles me down. Or, I didn't see or I'm it. settled down. And but also, it didn't up. do very well, so they probably won't do. No, it did very good. Oh, it did very well. Yeah, we all know it's how that Ghostbusters gonna get... thing went. You, you were the first person who said that though. The reason that they're doing Oceans Eight is to set up Oceans Nine. And I Ocean's think somebody 10. else told me that. It's a. It, I like thought about it for a second, and I was like, why didn't I immediately figure that out? At first, I just thought because Ocho starts with an O, and mm. it would be like alliteration, but oh, that's me being an idiot. Um, they definitely didn't think about alliteration when they were naming Well, I didn't movie. see Ocean's 8 either. Yeah, but my point is, 
I'm not to spoil it, I already did, sorry. Uh, they do have cameos. If they were saying, like, we want to make this completely our own new thing, I'd be like, okay. But they had a couple different cameos, which were great, and I loved those cameos, but, like, I, like get get one of the three cameos of the people that we really want to see. Like, yeah, I don't know. It just I, I just, the whole movie, I was waiting for the cameo of those three guys, one of them, and it never happened, and that made me sad. Mm. Um, but, and it also... It clearly wasn't directed by Soderbergh, and he directed the first three, um, which I love, obviously. So, anyway, my number ten movie for the year is Sicario: Day of the Soldado. Oh, you saw it? Loved it. Tell us about it. Uh, the only problem with it is, it you have to like. What's really cool about Sicario is they like a good sequel. They decided like, okay, we don't, we're not, you know, Denis Villeneuve isn't directing it. Who directed it? Did what's his face? The guy who wrote it. Uh, the guy who wrote Wind River, I believe. He wrote, he wrote the first Sicario. Yeah, he directed And he wrote, movie. and he did Hell or High Water, too. Yes, yes. I'm What's almost positive. Taylor or something. Yeah, he definitely wrote this one. Maybe he Let's didn't direct this it. Up. I know he wrote it. Regardless, he, um, Sicario 2 was just like, you know what, we don't have Roger Deakins, we don't have Denis Villeneuve, Roger Deakins was the cinematographer on the first one, so let's make just a popcorn movie. Like, let's take out, let's take this... Crazy world and just go into the popcorn side of it, all while still having just kind of a depiction of a world that we don't get depicted very often on the border. I think there's some interesting discussions about what the movie's trying to say that I have a problem he with. He didn't direct it. Oh, he didn't direct it. Did he write it? I think he wrote it. Um, there's a lot of interesting things about what this movie is trying to say because, like, it opens with a scene with like almost waterboarding. However. Benicio del Toro is just absolutely tremendous in that role, and I love. I really enjoyed my time in the theater for Sicario 2, and it is one of the most visceral movies. And as I've gotten away from the theater more and more, I've I've thought about how much I liked it more and more. Um, so it could even creep up my list because I'm I it, I have a feeling if I watch it again, I'd like it even more. Your movie, Taylor Sheridan. <laughs> Taylor Sheridan, and he thank did you. write the second one. Taylor Sheridan, the writer and director of Wind River, Sam French's least favorite movie of all time. Well, he also wrote Hell or High Water. And, yes, and we we yeah, and Sicario. We love we we're big fans of both of those movies here. Um, the I never rare saw... the rare guy who we like two of his movies. I together. never saw Wind River. Yeah, I haven't yet. I mean, Sam gives such glowing reviews of it. I, I feel yeah. like I'm <laughs> he not didn't like it. Um, okay, my number 10 is a movie called Three Identical Strangers, yes, which is a documentary. documentary about, um, these three, it starts out and there's this guy, I'm gonna have to do the whole movie right now. Oh, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, no, it's Three Identical crazy Strangers. Story. Do you know what this movie's about? Yes. It's crazy. Yeah. Can I guess the plot? Yeah, guess the, it's three, a documentary. Yeah. It, it really The plot happens. of real life. The plot of real life. <laughs> so, Three Identical Strangers... They've never, they meet each other and they're like, wow, we are identical. Let's make some money off this. So they go around and they do some game shows and they make some money off being identical strangers and we find out at the end that they're actually related. It's kind of close, except we find out right at the beginning that they're related and the question becomes why were they, why were they not, why didn't they grow up together? Oh, so they were related. They are all Trip their triplets. Those of you documentary fanatics, it's turn it great, off. No, <laughs> it's a great. It's like it's. I have a bunch of documentaries on on this list, and this has been such a good year for like incredibly like 
engrossing documentaries. Absolutely. And this one's very, it's like a thriller. You're like, what? How did this happen? I was really hoping they weren't related, though. I was really hoping that in the world there could be three people who looked identical who had zero of the same genes. Yeah, that's not what it's about, though. It's not about clones. <laughs> well, too bad it's it? not real. Too bad it's real. Yeah, too bad it's real. <laughs> and not, you can make your movie about about three people who all just... And then it will actually be three identical strangers instead of three identical triplets. Yes. That's a misleading title. Well, there are, no, they're strangers. They don't know each other. Because they... They knew each other in the womb, Kyle. Yeah. <laughs> Keep going. But it's crazy what happened with these, what happened with them, and why, and why they were separated and all that. It's a mystery. I've only seen a screenshot of the trailer. I haven't even seen the trailer, so I can't yeah, wait to see it. You should watch the trailer. The trailer is very thrilling. I'm such a Netflix documentary person, though. Like, when it's on Netflix, I yeah. jump on that. I'm sure it'll like, be on Icarus, Netflix. Like, Icarus, boom, I'm on it. I'm sure it'll be on Netflix. If you haven't seen Icarus yet, check it out. It won, yeah. It won, yep. Yeah. So good. Uh, and also, like, Russia. <laughs> Russia. <laughs> Whoa, watch your mouth. I'm sorry. I'll bleep it out. Helsinki. Helsinki. Oh, my gosh. It did happen, guys. That wasn't doctored. Okay, my ninth movie, Isle of Dogs. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Isle, Isle of Dogs. Uh, what? Isle of Dicks. Isle of Dicks. The Island of Dicks. Uh, Which I also haven't seen, and I should have seen. Uh, is it, it's amazing that a movie that is probably not in my top five favorite Wes Anderson movies, and really near the bottom of his movies, like, if I did a ranking right now, I'd say probably like seventh or eighth. What is Isle of Dogs about? So, it's about, in Japan... It's the stop motion animation... Stop motion animation, kind of like the pseudo sequel to Fantastic Mr. Fox. It'll probably win the uh, Oscar. It essentially, essentially, um, in Japan, there's this ancient family that loves cats, and in some weird explanation, dogs screwed over this family hundreds of years ago by something, and this whole family, this like royal family, holds a grudge against dogs, and so in present day, they've they've uh, unbeknownst to the public infected dogs with these diseases to make dogs like un un like you can't have them as pets anymore because of the diseases they have and they round up all the dogs and they put them on this island trash island and they like quarantine them on this island and uh essentially the whole plot is the dogs trying to uh like survive on the island and then this boy shows up and he's looking for his dog all while there's a there's a um like a, what's the word, a vaccine that's been found on the island, and so they're just like, it's like on the, the island, people are, the dogs are trying to survive, and this boy's trying to find his pet, and back in like, Tokyo, they're trying to get this vaccine to the dogs, all while this royal family is like, F those dogs, we Ooh. hate them. Does Yoko Ono play? Yoko Ono maybe speaks one line and cries into a microphone twice. Who is she? She plays the assistant of the head doctor who finds the vaccine and she's a critical part of the plot but does not speak much that was the most distracting part of the movie as i've already told kyle was that there's so many big names in it who have like two lines aka yoko ono that the whole movie you're trying to figure out like whose voice was that who is that instead of just watching the movie so it's really distracting whereas in a like grand budapest Half the characters have to be played by actors who are actually that type. You can't just have 20 big names. You can have 10 big names. But in this movie, it felt like every single person was a Jeff Goldblum. And you were like, whose voice is that? 
oh, it's it's this person. That actually would be far more interesting if Jeff Goldblum had just done every voice in Isle of Dogs. He is. He is. Um, so anyway, but it's it's even what I find interesting is even a miss for me from Wes Anderson is still in my top ten of the year and might still hold up there. Um, also, just visually how he sees things is absolutely stunning and. Even though it's bad at times, and I thought it was convoluted at the beginning, the last hour is really strong. Um, it's so. five hours long. <laughs> no, it's an hour yeah. and 45. It's like an hour 40. In the first 40 minutes, I was like, what's happening? And then, like, <laughs> case in point, me trying to describe the plot. <laughs> uh, yeah. But the last hour becomes much more, like, simple and easy to follow, and yeah. And I love it. I loved it, but not as much as almost all of his other films. Isle of Dogs. Isle of Dogs. A.K.A. Right. Isle of Dicks. My number nine is A Wrinkle in Time. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> We're going to do three um, worst films later. Um, Wrinkle in Time is going to make it in. Life. Okay, so my number nine is Sorry to Bother You, mm. um, which you haven't seen. I know. Yes, I have not seen. So, so Sorry to Bother You is this movie by this, uh, by this director, Boots Riley. It is his first movie. He's a rapper. And I couldn't tell when his name was Boots. It is. It is. The craziest thing you'll ever see in your life. Absolutely insane. I don't know, man. And, like, an amazing debut from this dude. Like, craziest thing Epic. Ever. And people are... I'm not going to really say too much about it because it's <laughs> impossible to describe what happens in this movie. Well, and it's directed by the lead of Dora the Explorer, Boots. Oh, my God. Are Riley. you going to see it? You should see yes, it. Yes, I'm going to see yeah. it. That's so up my alley. It just... Movie Pass has, has been awful lately, and the two yeah. times I tried to see Sorry to Bother You, it messed with me. Yeah. So it's got Lakeith Stanfield in it from um, from Get Out. Yes. And Atlanta. Yeah. Tessa Thompson's in it. Army Hammer. Army Hammer is insane in it. Army Hammer. Can we give it up for Army Hammer's movie selections? Yes, definitely. Like, He's fresh off of career. playing the Lone Ranger, he just decided I'm going to only do great movies. Yeah. <laughs> And Johnny Depp played Tonto. Yeah. <laughs> and also, Johnny Depp's new movie, Lost uh, uh, City of City of Lies, is now off the release schedule. They got pulled from the uh, release schedule. But they can't pull the wonderfully titled The Crimes of Grindelwald. Grindelwald. <laughs> Do you want to? I want to pronounce it like The Crimes of Grindelwald. The Crimes of Grindelwald. Okay. Well, all I'll say about Sorry to Bother You. Yeah, go. I got is, is that it? It feels like a, a little bit like a Charlie Kaufman movie. He did like adaptation in Being John Malkovich and Eternal Sunshine. Like it's got, it's like really got this like quirky world that it exists in, and there's like he also very... did Be Kind Rewind. Did he write Be Kind Rewind? I don't think he did. No, I don't think he did. I th no, you're talking about Michelle Gondry, the director. Oh, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry. I'm talking about the guy who wrote... I love Be Kind Rewind. I do, too. I love Be Kind Rewind a lot. Um, anyway, the... He... It's got these, like, it's weird, quirky world. Weird things are going on in it. And it's, like, it's such cool ideas. And at the end, near the end of it, you see something that you, like, you just are just, like, I've never imagined that I would see. I'm, like, I was, like, what am I even looking at? Like Annihilation, similar to the end sure, of Annihilation. Sure, 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 sure. In a but much like, different way. I would say, I, and I didn't like Annihilation very much, but I loved, I would say the end, the, I, I don't completely love Sorry to Bother You. I don't, I don't super duper love it. But right. I think it, um, I think it has incre an incredible amount of balls. One of my I favorite. I love real balls. <laughs> one of my favorite trailers of the year, especially. 
Sorry uh, to bother you. Yeah, it's, it's a trailer that. So what happens? There's been in a the couple trailer, really because I haven't trailer. seen. I don't see trailers. It's just for Danny Glover essentially, who's literally in the movie for two seconds. Danny Glover essentially telling him that he will make way more sales if he talks like a white person, and yes. then things go crazy. You don't really know what's happening. It's a lot of him like running around. You don't really know what's happening, but you're like, this seems just on the line of crazy weird, but the right kind of weird. Yeah, um, I don't know that it is always the right kind of weird, but it's um, well, it's definitely worth seeing. And that trailer dropped around the same time that the trailer for Hereditary was getting going around, and those two trailers, I just think, are so, so intriguing. Like, what is this? Um, yeah. And, you know, we also, we just get, we've gotten better and better at the art of the trailer. Uh, sometimes to the sometimes to the benefit of the film, or more people see it, and sometimes at the expense of the film, because the trailer is way more cohesive and just better than what you see in the theater, um, or includes too many of the great moments from it. Um, I've been feeling that way with comedies lately, where the trailers are all the best jokes from the comedy, and then I'm like, why did I see that? Um, there's another film on here though that did a very good job at not doing that. Okay, my eighth film, Blind Spotting. Great. Uh, Blind spotting is. Blind spotting is. Blind spotting is what you said. Blind spot. Blind spotting. No, blind spotting. I'm sorry. I put the G on it. Um, I didn't. Well, anyway. Uh, that movie is clearly a so a rookie outing of two writers, and I. I don't know if they both directed it. Maybe someone else. They both wrote it. David Digg and Raphael. Um, oh, Daveed Diggs wrote it. With Raphael, yeah. Oh, I didn't know And that. both of them, that's, you can tell the strength of it is in the fact that they wrote it together for themselves. There's a strength in that that's very cool. Because their scenes seem very easy, the flow seems right, they're very connected to it. It's, it's like a buddy comedy in, under the guise of this social commentary. Uh, and it's also clear that both of them are a little bit newer to having a whole movie on their shoulders, especially to be digs. So there's certain moments that don't land the way they would if you had a seasoned actor mm. playing them. So some of the more like serious, just like moments, like more emotional moments don't land. However, the biggest emotional moment and the point I think of the film lands like a ton of bricks and really hits home in one of the most beautiful, different ways. Um, and when you when you couple that with how good the comedy is and how funny it is at times, it's a really, really solid hour and a half in the theater. Uh, and so my hat off to them. I kind of, I wanted more out of it just because of everything I was hearing about it. But I can't hold that against the movie because the movie is so so good and and uh, it's just it's just they did a really good job and I'm really excited to see what they're gonna keep making. They made such something so cool, similar to when I saw Get Out and I was like, wow, what is Jordan Peele gonna keep making? Like he's just getting started, yeah. and I'm so excited to see Black Klansman and I know he's a producer on that. I'm just I know Jordan Peele is gonna take good care of us and I think David Diggs and Raphael they're gonna keep making good good movies. So exciting stuff. Banging, blind spotting. <laughs> that was literally the whole. I saw. I saw Carousel recently. Every time they say any word, I feel like in that musical, I would just like, turn my head and blind like, spotting. Yeah, literally. Though that's why it's just Carousel coming through me. Epic. My next movie is I just this saw is your it. eight. This is your eight. This is my eight. It's McQueen. 
Now, McQueen is a documentary about a fashion designer. Named Trevor McQueen. Named Trevor McQueen. Named Alexander McQueen. And I knew very little about this person, but it's this is crazy. Like, this dude was like... He went to Carnegie Mellon. He went to Carnegie Mellon. Uh, he spent some time in New York. Yeah. Fantastic was, character actor. Really hilarious amazing guy. Amazing voice. Uh, and now has a documentary about him. Yeah. I'm sorry. This is stupid. Keep going about it. Alexander, Alexander McQueen was like... He was he was so young and he started he has his own he had his own line of of fashion stuff um, of clothes fashion <laughs> stuff it's not it's uh, we got a very nice line here of fashion it's a fashion stuff, stuff. Uh, bracelet that's what they called it that's what they called I clearly didn't learn a lot about the fashion world anyway so he was literally twenty seven years old when he was British designer of the year. And he was also given the Givenchy line in France to, like, run. So he's literally t as old as we are. What character is he in Devil Wears Prada? He he doesn't really have a character in it. Oh, in dang it. Prada. Okay, that's that's, that's No, he's I... a bit... What the... What... It's, it's, it's another documentary that's just, like, so, like, compelling. Man, my ears are ringing. Um, anyway. It's a... It's, like... It's what's what's like very very good about it is that and what's heartbreaking about it is it shows it's it works both as this like amazing like um, portfolio of his work like you see his work and he would do these co amazingly theatrical I mean when you do a collection so he would do fifteen collections in a year holy cow and this is like a collection of like twenty seven fashion things twenty seven <laughs> outfits fashion stuffs fashion stuffs. And he would do 15 collections a year, yeah. just a non-stop, and you see all these collections and what he does on the runway and how theatrical he makes mm. it and how, like, emotional he makes it. But then at the same time, you're seeing how sort of empty his personal life was, uh, is, or whatever, and it's very, it's, it's intense. It's an intense watch. But it also is so inspiring, because it's like, oh my god, like, this guy, he just, like... It's kind of been the summer of these documentaries that have snuck up, and I feel like that one snuck up on us. Yeah. Because I've heard way more about, obviously, Sorry to Bother You. I mean, um, uh, Won't You Be My Neighbor and uh, Three Identical Strangers, but yeah, that's, that's, that's a documentary I need to see because I like when, in a documentary, not only do I get the A plot of learning all about that person, yes. but I get the B side of learning about a world that I know nothing about. Yeah, completely. Like, I know nothing about completely. the Jumanji line. Yeah, um, exactly. But so, it's like... It's so education. And, and he was so, like... He was so, um... Uh, he's just, like, a sort of, like, chill dude who's, like who, like, is wearing, like, t-shirts and shorts in, the, like, it's running it like he's, like, oh, we're, like, with his friends, you know, like... But he's... <laughs> but he's, like, in the world. So these Givenchy people who are, like, these, like, very bougie French people are, like, who is this guy? Like, why? Right. Like, he would go eat with the... with all the, um, the laborers. He would go, like... He would, like, where are all the people who are, like, doing all the work? And they were, like, you don't want to go eat with them. Wow. And he'd go eat with them. That's so kind of incredible. He's a cool. He's you've, a cool. That's the that's the one you've pitched me. I need to see that. There you go, McQueen. McQueen. Yeah. Um, okay, my number seven is Annihilation. Okay. Uh, absolutely. I even talked about this this book a little bit on the podcast. I love the book Annihilation. I think it's really really great. The movie. So we had two of my favorite books that I've read in the last three years come out. 
in oh film. Oh God! Ready Player One. Within within a couple weeks of each other. Right, that's what you're out. talking about, right? Yeah. Oh my. They came in that. within a couple weeks of each other, and both of them took a lot of drastic steps away from the book for different reasons. Um, and I think Annihilation was successful in the steps they took away from the book. And, and Annihilation kind of had to do that, right? Yeah. Like it's. it's I mean, not a book I don't think they itself. had to. I think I would have done it differently, but that's yeah. me. Um, and Ready Player One, I think, was less successful at the steps they took away from the book. Uh, and the so Ready no Player shit. One, Ready Player <laughs> One was really tough for me to digest because on the one side I I. It's kind of like Harry Potter, where like you could put puppets in those roles, and I would still have an emotional connection to it because it's Harry Potter and you love it. Um, but it, so I loved getting to see this book, and certain scenes were really magnificent to see. But overall, I felt Ready Player One was like so not the book. <laughs> in like it was a in, horrible movie. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't go that far, but okay i wouldn't go that far to like horrible but it definitely was very disappointing and thoroughly mediocre uh but annihilation really took a lot of design choices that were different and um the book is so like almost like a scientific journal of what this woman is seeing every day and she's just writing down data wait talk about what it's about annihilation it's about is essentially there's this uh sphere that's in the Pacific Northwest. And it looks like when you blow <laughs> bubbles. Yes, it looks like when you blow bubbles. It looks like that. that. Like that, the 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 kind of glossy film cover of a bubble, but it's in the Pacific Northwest. And when you walk into that bubble, you like lose all communication with the outside. Shit gets crazy. And shit, yeah, it's just crazy. And There's it's like so crazy. Animals. Yeah. And what's really cool about it in the book is that the way that the writer describes everything you could take it 10 different ways and you don't really know what they're seeing. So when they describe something crazy that they see, if I were to draw a sketch of it and Kyle were to draw a sketch of it, we could draw two extremely different things reading the exact same passage of the book because the idea is that they're seeing things that they've never seen before. So imagine having to describe seeing, imagine describing a mountain to someone and who's never seen a mountain before. It, you, or doesn't have a frame of reference for that. Like, you're describing things that have never been seen before. So the writer uses that and through scientific journaling, like, describes all these crazy things that they're seeing and then the whole book is through her perspective. The movie takes that and adds some new things to it, also fills in some of the blanks of the plot, which I did like sometimes, didn't like other times. And really, the crowning achievement of the movie is the last 20 minutes is... Yeah. its own thing and not really what's in the book at all but very different and baffling and intriguing it's um, like i hated annihilation i really didn't like it and i and and i liked like the design of it and i loved the use of the effects in it but i like hated the script hated everybody in it and the end still was like so captivating to me very captivating in the theater like it felt like no one was breathing um, so, uh, while I was upset because I was thinking, well, I would have done this more, I think you could have done it almost POV from the, the scientist's perspective, uh, and they kind of drew it back a little bit more and gave us a little bit more third-person view of the whole thing, uh, they really made a lot of choices and they made it their own versus Ready Player One, which felt like it was like a bad imitation of a section of the book. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Annihilation. Your number seven? Annihilation. My number seven is... Eighth grade. 
Ooh, lower on the list than I would think it would be. Really? Yeah. Eighth grade is the movie by Bo Burnham, the comic, who, and it is this wonderful, it puts you right back into the anxieties of being in eighth grade. And it's very good at that. Yeah. Um, the girl's awesome. Do you think that makes it one-dimensional? No, it's not one-dimensional at all. Okay. It's like, it's so, it is so good at putting, at giving, like, reliving that anxiety. It sort of falls off a little bit at the end for me. Um, but there's this other, oh, I should have looked up his name. There's this other, the girl in it is amazing. She's like 14, she was like 14 or something when they shot it. And she's just like, like, what a find. But then there's this other boy who like shows up near, he has two scenes and then he's magic. Uh -huh. He's like completely magic. Uh, they both are. And it's, it's an, it's the first movie Bo Burnham's done, right? Mm -hmm. Like great, amazing debut. Um, feels super personal, especially the, I, when I've talked to like, um, like friends of mine from high school who are girls. Like who've seen it, they're just like, oh my god, I've never experienced something like like seeing that movie. Just like put put me back. It's similar also, to Boyhood, how people felt about Boyhood. Yes, 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 yes. It it does have it has that sort of vibe as well. Um, the the other thing about it is that it shows. I mean, you know this because you have younger siblings, but like the so how social media like controls young people now controls them. it shows it so and working with kids over the summer like you just yeah. get so exposed to it there's yeah. a scene where it's just like she's it's like a montage scene of her just up in her room and she's just on her screen like her, she's on her phone for probably hours just yeah. like laying in bed doing nothing but looking at these screens and it's just like oh my god it's so crazy yeah it, it handles like social media so interestingly I believe it. It's a fun. It's a. It's very funny too. Well, I would expect that from Bo Burnham. I mean, yeah. that's one of the ones that I'm really mad at myself. I haven't seen yet. Uh, number six for me is Borg McEnroe, which is the tennis oh. movie with Shia LaBeouf and um, and Skarsgård. Uh, it is so good. In an age when the sports movie is dead, essentially, Borg McEnroe is so clean, so. It, the storytelling in it is amazing. You know it's good when you see the movie on a plane. And I got off the plane and we landed and there was 10 minutes left of the movie that I hadn't seen. And I immediately sat down in the airport, rented the movie on my phone to finish the last 10 minutes. I was so gripped and engrossed and it was incredible. And Shia LaBeouf, it's a return to form. I mean, it's... He's incredible in it, and as John McEnroe, and it's very subtle. It's not a, it's not a spectacle sports film. It's so much more about sports psychology and just what that pressure does to you, um, and especially when looking at Borg. And for those of you who don't know, Borg and McEnroe were two really, obviously John McEnroe is um, known here in America, but Borg was one of the most successful tennis players of all time, and they played together at Wimbledon in one of the most memorable finals ever, um, and. Uh, it's just about the that Wimbledon final and leading into that final. Um, and also it's about, really focuses on both of their upbringings, which it's it's just very, very good. And as a sports fanatic, you should see it. Who's um, the other one in it? 
forget his name. He's not as well known. He's done a couple things, but not as well known. And then half of it's in Swedish. Oh, I want to say Swedish. Yeah, I'll correct myself if that's wrong, but I think half of it was in Swedish. So it was released in two different countries at the same time. Um, but it's really beautiful. That was just me behind you whispering in Swedish. <laughs> yeah. You were confused. I was. What is, what's your number six? My number six is Black Panther. Oh. Which I loved. Yes, you didn't like at the beginning. I hate, I, I didn't hate, I was just like, oh my, because Black Panther was like the biggest movie that's come out this year. Like, just like people just like, it was a phenomenon. Yeah, and Avengers Infinity War for sure. Sure. And it will, and it will be in the best picture conversation, Black Panther. I hope so. It will be. Um, whether or not it gets in. But, um, yeah, it started and I was kind of like, oh, I just hate I hate superhero movies. I hate them so much. Really? They're not. I just. Oh. I can. I never have a way into them. I'm I didn't just know like. That. I'm just like. Here we are again with somebody in a suit who's gonna save the day, and they're gonna make jokes. And it's is that what superhero movies are? It All is right. to me. I'm telling you my experience at these. No, movies. that's exactly what superhero movies are. Um, you see that and you go, oh, I go yes. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so the the. Black Panther, it started and I was kind of like, I'm really happy that this exists and this means so much to so many people and I'm glad that it's doing so well, but I was kind of like, but it's going to be another superhero movie for me. And about halfway through it, I just was like, it's so good. I think he's like, I think he's like uh, Ryan Coogler. Mm -hmm. I think he, it reminded me of like Lord of the Rings. It reminded me of like, when, like... These I'm I'm gonna say something that is just my opinion right now. These Marvel movies and this big studio filmmaking now is fooling people into thinking that they are seeing amazing blockbuster filmmaking. And they're not. And Black Panther, like what I'm talking about is like I'm talking about Jaws, I'm talking about Raiders of the Lost Ark, I'm talking about Star Wars, I'm talking about Lord of the Rings, like movies that are just epic and personal and emotional, but like deliver all the thrills and Black Panther does that hardcore and it creates a world so that's what I that's what I think Black Panther I'm not gonna address what you just said I'm yeah. gonna address well Black it's just my, just my I know but I'm, I know. I'm using it to, right. to boost and, up Black Panther and because of course, I think it's amazing we're never gonna like when we're talking about when we're talking about these blockbusters from the 70s early 80s we're never gonna recreate that because First of all, that's the golden age of cinema. But I'm also talking about Lord of the Rings, which was true, like true. 15 years but ago. But like when you look at those movies, like the way they had to make those movies and they had to get scrappy AF with those movies, like with like Jaws, they shot that in open water. Yeah, like they would yeah. never the do that. Like, they shot that in open water. It took it was 155 days instead of a 60-day shoot. Yeah. Like there's crazy things about that that like will never be replicated in that way. And I think the modern blockbusters have adapted to what they need to adapt to, and some of them are absolutely amazing. I don't think all of them are, but I... This will feel personal I, to me. And, and yeah, and we can Black disagree Panther with that. Does. But Black Panther, I'm going to talk about this now. It's obviously on my list later. Um, yeah, I think Black Panther is incredible, and I just thought it really... One of the tough things to do is I think a lot of times in the MCU, there's like... It's like it's like volumes in a in a... It's like reading a... It's TV episodes. Yeah, where you're just yeah. like, oh, I loved that volume of this, and I love that addition to this collection. 
and it's really hard. There are two there are two movies that came out this year in the MCU that I think really stood out. It's really hard to make your stamp and be like, no, this stands alone. And Black Panther stands alone in an incredible way. It's about something. Ryan Coogler made some really good artistic choices. It looked different. It looked beautiful. And yet there were still like breadcrumbs of being like, this is the MCU. But it really stayed on its own. And I and I love that the so de- much. The detail of the Wakanda world is, is parallel to what they did on... Lord of the Rings with yes. creating Middle-earth. I mean, Absolutely. it's just like, it's so real and lived in. Yeah, and that's part of the reason why the other one on this list that I have, um, you know, when it has Wakanda moments in it, too, it really rings true because that world is so set up so yeah. well. Um, my number five is Deadpool 2. Wait, what was your number six? My oh, number, six number six was uh, was Borg McEnroe. Number five was Deadpool 2. Deadpool 2, I'll say it right now, Deadpool 2 is so, so funny. It is probably the second funniest movie of the year. It was hysterical. They outdid themselves, and I saw it twice in theaters. Both times enjoyed it. What they do with the X-Force team is the funniest five-minute sequence I've I've seen in, in... I mean, it's just... It's Guardians of the Galaxy level funny, and uh, you would think that gag would get old, um, but they continue to find ways to make it new, and it was funny, the first six minutes of the movie, I was like, oh, I'm not gonna like this, like, this is gonna be just the first one rehashed, and then they continually surprised me, and the, they just took it to another level, and, and, um, I, I think they really defied a lot of tropes, and, um, it's just great that in this world we can have a Black Panther, and then we can have a Deadpool too that makes fun of everything about the genre. Even um, though it's funded by the same studio. Of course. But, like, if, if it's great, I don't care. Sure. <laughs> Obviously. And that was actually an interesting thing I read recently where, you know, they were able to make a Fox joke in it about Fox and Friends. Um, and Fox let them keep that in, but then they weren't able to make, like, a Disney Monopoly joke that they wanted to make about how Disney owns yeah. everything. I'm um, a little annoyed by the whole... I haven't seen it, but... I'm, I'm, I'm really... Oh, I, I'm annoyed I am annoyed by, by Disney buying everything. It's annoying the crap out of me. I'm annoyed by this, like, the vibe that it has of, like, it seems to have gotten away with, like, we make fun of these big things, but we also are a big... Thing. Right. Well, that's why too that's they like talk about like like De- like Ryan Reynolds did a really good interview where he was like Deadpool three seems like the only option for Deadpool three is to do like a five million dollar budget and like that would be have great it be, have it be like him in in a dark like a back alley homeless like yeah but they won't you know? do that yeah but that's that's I mean I don't think that's what he he would get away with but that's what he would want to do which which I mean, he that so would be is great that that's what they should they should do something like and that. they make fun of that the whole time and, and it but is they're fun. making fun of it and it is the thing that's okay though that's called being self aware that's great it's not self aware okay it's, well we'll agree to disagree it's it when it's being fueled by the same money people as. Anyway. Give me your number five. You Were Never Really Here, which is... I am. I'm right here. Yes. The movie is called... I'm sorry. That was a shit. You Were Never Really Here. Um, You Were Never Really Here is directed by Lynn Ramsey, who did We Need to Talk About Kevin. Oh, that movie messes you up. This movie messes you up, too. That movie... Guys, We Need to Talk About Kevin, I haven't been able to get out of my head since the day I watched it. Well, you will have a very similar experience at You Were Never Really Here. It's Joaquin Phoenix is in it. Wow, I did not know that was the same director. Now yeah. I need to see it. Yeah, no, it's like, it's one of the most overwhelming movies I've, like, ever seen. Yeah. It's so anxiety, it's just, like, anxiety. And you saw Nocturama. <laughs> yeah, it's it's similar to that. It's similar to that. In terms of just, like, 
And Joaquin Phoenix is like, it's a shame that there's there's two per, two performances on here that is just like, I know they're not gonna wind up at the Oscars, but it's yeah. just like it's so ridiculous because it's like he's amazing in this movie. And I'm not gonna say too much about it because it tricks you a little at the beginning and. I don't want to spoil okay. what it winds up being, but it is about, like, sex trafficking of, like, young girls. Right. So it's very intense. And him hunting down a young girl is what the trailer gives you, or hunting down the people who took her. Yeah. But I think that's probably a trick, if not really what um, it's about. Fully. He is so good. It is, like... It, 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 it's, it's so good at, like, his performance working in tandem with... There's another movie that I feel does this very similarly. Um working in tandem with Lynn Ramsey is just, like, you are in his head for the whole movie. And there are some moments that are just, like, jaw-droppingly beautiful as well, in addition to it being, like, horrifying. Are we at the point now where... Maybe I'm wrong about this, but, like, 20 years from now, we'll look back and say Joaquin Phoenix's career is one of the most... Yeah, definitely. One is the most... He's probably one of the most gonna... underrated and yet consistently... Like, his batting average is above 700. Like... Yeah. He is pitching a lot, like, he's uh, eight shutout innings. How many baseball analogies can I give? But You're I, giving him. You, I just, you think about it, every single thing he's yeah. in. He's, I mean, he's going to be one of those people who dies and does didn't get an Oscar, and everybody's going to be like, how did that happen? Yeah, it, it, his collection of films, um, yeah, he's really next level. So that doesn't surprise me, but I, I didn't know that was we need to talk about Kevin. Yeah. That movie, when that... Essentially, spoiler alert, like... I also like this a lot more than We Need to Talk About Kevin. I don't love We Need to Talk About Kevin, but yeah. that movie is just... The way it sticks with me, I think that's what movie making is all about. And the the fact that she has this moral dilemma of being, like, hating her son, and yet still is like, he's my son, so I'm responsible for him, and I care for him, and, like, visits him in prison at the end of the movie, even though he's killed... Spoilers! I already said it. Oh, Okay. <laughs> Even though he's killed, he's, spoiler alert, he killed her husband and her daughter. Like, yeah. it's just a crazy, it asks a lot of very interesting questions. Ooh, and you know who did, I the whole time I was watching the movie, I was like, that, that Johnny Greenwood guy did the score. The guy who did, um, um, Johnny Greenwood? Johnny Greenwood's from Radiohead, and he did There Will Be Blood, and, and, uh, oh, gosh, what a score. Phantom Thread, and, wow. So I was like listening to it. I was like, "This sounds like him," but I was like, "There's no way he did this," but he did. Yeah. Uh, my number four is Avengers: Infinity War. There you go. Uh, loved that movie. That movie. That movie similar to the first Avengers, which the second Avengers is one of the most like swing and miss movies. It, in the theater, you're like, "I liked that," and then as you get away from it more, you're like, "No, I didn't." And th when it's great to see a return to form in the movie that should be absolute, absolutely terrible. It should be the worst thing ever, and it's not. It's a rollicking good time. It's not, it has no right to be as funny as it is, and it's, it just, it takes you through a roller coaster of emotions, and you think you're ahead of it the whole time, and then you're not. You're so not ahead of it. And it, I really like, the Russo brothers continue to surprise me and impress me. And I didn't love Winter Soldier. I liked, what's yeah, I liked Civil War, pretty much. Um, and this movie though is their crowning achievement. And I'm on the edge of my seat for the fourth one. I I, I can't wait. That's all I'm gonna say about it. I know you didn't like it. Yeah. 
We we'll know talk that. about it later. I, I, yeah. Um. <laughs> we talk about it off the pod. Kyle vehemently disagrees with everything I just said. We know that. Now yeah, the yeah, third. Yeah. I'm, now, I'm, really, now you're I'm really glad you liked it. Thanks. Thanks for constraining yourself. Uh, my number four. My number four is The Death of Stalin. Yes. Oh, I need to see this. It's Which also is, not my boy, Jason Have Isaacson. we only had one movie so far? Black one Panther? the same? We've had Black Panther the same, and then maybe another. Well, I haven't even done Black Panther yet. Maybe another. I'm curious what you think it's going to be. Um... So... Oh, actually, no, we're not going to have enough. No, we will. We will. Okay. I think. Death of Stalin is Armando Iannucci, who did uh, In the Loop and Veep. Uh-huh. And he... He does, like... He does the best, like... If somebody wants to, like, look at how to do satire, like, he is doing... Nobody's doing it better than him right now. Okay. It is... It, it is... He's so good at mixing, like, you will laugh hysterically at that movie, and then you will be horrified at how brutal it is. Because it's about, yeah. it's about Stalin dies, yeah. and then it's about all the people who, like, have to, who, who are sort of buffering to, to fill his position. Mm. And it's so funny. And Steve Buscemi's in it, Jeffrey Tambor, Michael Palin from Monty Python, and Simon Russell Beale, who is this Shakespearean actor, is incredible in it. Yeah. Um... It's it's amazing. It's so oh my god, and it's it has this vibe. It's treated like it's contemporary, you know. So like they're all just like talking like this at each other, and like it's Steve Buscemi, and like that's hysterical. It's it's so good. It's like Doctor Strange love level like good goodness. Uh, speaking of Steve Buscemi, the first pictures came out from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the new Quentin Tarantino movie. No, holy. Shite. Am I bet I you excited? that they'll talk a lot, say fuck, and all kill each other at the end. It's Margot Robbie, Leonardo DiCaprio, and Brad Pitt. It's gonna be incredible. It's gonna be the greatest thing ever. I just wanted to say that. Sorry, Death of Solomon though. Yeah, Death of Solomon. I need to great. see it. Yeah, this is great. Your list is literally like the movies I need to see. Yeah, Death of Solomon's great. And I know I'm gonna like him. Uh, number three for me is Black Panther. We talked about it. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit higher on my list. Uh, yeah, it was. It's only it was for it's a while. Only, it was number one on my list. Yeah, it's only lower on mine because I thought these other these other five like I loved them so much. Really like, solid. Like so many solid movies. Nothing like. Yeah, just a really solid first seven months of the year for me at the movie theater. A lot of movies that I've enjoyed. Yeah, me too. Um, wait, my three? Yeah. My three is Won't You Be My Neighbor, which is the Mr. Rogers documentary. Which has had just a, uh, it's had a month-long circuit of I'm, everyone loving it. I will call it. it now. It will win the Oscar. Of course. Um, it's also the, the, the right time for it. It's so... It's, it's incredible. We were supposed to see it together, but... Were we? Yeah, you went. Um, I literally said, I came home. I had been I'm gone sorry. for a while. I was like, Kyle, we'll go see Won't You Be My Neighbor together. Because I said originally, you got to see it. Do not see that on Netflix. Go see that in the movie theater because you see that with an audience and you are all in on that. Like, the, seeing that in an, with an audience is was one of the best movie experiences. Well, I have like three hours to kill tonight. So if it's, if it's open, I'll, I'll cry, go. Cry, and then I'll cry. talk about it at the end credits of this when I'm talking. Great. Great. Go uh, see it. Number two for me. Oh, guys. A Quiet Place. Oh. John Krasinski. He's the best. John Krasinski. He's the best. There you go. Guys, A Quiet Place. If you saw that in the theater, try and tell me that that was not one of the most exceptional viewing experiences. I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it. It was Amazing. so good. It was so tight and specific and beautiful and and uh, 
in a in, horror movies have we've expanded the idea of what a horror movie can be these last two years. Obviously, Get Out is like on a whole nother level. But I just what a fun what like that's what cinema's all about. Just absolutely amazing. The ironic thing about it is. There's a really, the funniest moment of the movie for me wasn't supposed to be funny, but it, it just because I was so stressed the whole time, like, only laughter yeah. came out when he's, uh, I'm not, a uh, spoiler, like, if you haven't seen it yet, like, skip ahead about 30 seconds, but when he signs while he's saying, I love you across the park, across, like, the way as he was about to sacrifice himself, uh, I, like, uh, laughed audibly because of how invested I was in every second of that movie. And afterwards, I was like, wow, that was probably, like, mean or misguided to be laughing at that. But, like, I had so much pent-in energy, and it just, like, needed to come out because I couldn't move. I was paralyzed for that movie. Um, and that's the mark of a great movie. And it's the perfect movie for John Krasinski to direct because what his skill is as an actor is how he sees the camera, knows where the camera is, and treats it as a character in the room. That's, he is, he and Rain Wilson and Jenna Fisher as well, they all, in their interactions with the camera in the office, is some of the best acting I've ever seen. Steve Carell is like, he is the one who works with the script and the improv. Steve Carell uses the camera too. He, he does, he does. But yeah. he's like, he's very much the, uh, like the ling linguistical jokes of it and like him and Rain Wilson too. But what Steve Carell Fisher, always seems to be like, looking at the camera like, did you see that I said that? Or like, yeah, you yeah. know, like, definitely aware that it's okay? a person. Is that okay how I said that? Or something? And also, like, hopefully that the people through the camera are his friends, which yeah. he, you know, perpetually they are not. Um, but my point is that what a great concept to then give to John Krasinski and be like, now this movie where there's no speaking is all about how you interact with, with you know, less is more. And they, yeah. it's, it's incredible. It's incredible. In it. She is, oh my gosh. And the girl, the the actual deaf girl. Oh yeah, I, I mean it's Millicent just, Simmons, I think her name is. Yeah, yeah. I, there's just there's so many moments in it. The space shuttle thing, I, I I was I didn't see it coming. There's just so many things. Um, so uh, yeah, it made it to number two, almost number one on my list. It was there it was go. really fantastic. I hope I don't think it'll get recognized in any way. Come, it'll win sound stuff. I, I hope so because yeah. it's it's it'll really be up special sound stuff. And it's just, it's great. Uh, my number two is First Reformed. Oh, gosh, yes. It's now Which available is... to rent um, with Ethan Hawke. Oh, there you go. I have to go buy it. Also, um, Ethan Hawke did the Bill Simmons podcast recently, talking about this movie and a lot of things, and he's one of the best podcast guests ever. Uh, also one so of the, another out. actor who probably will not win an Oscar. And, and, and doesn't care. He doesn't care at all. But but it's, just, I know, he doesn't care, yeah. And neither does Joaquin. But it's uh, it's by Paul Schrader who did he's most known for doing the screenplays for Taxi Driver and Raging Bull and Last Temptation of Christ. He's seventy two years old. Wow. And the movie wow. is like, it's again very similar to it's so dark. It's about it's Ethan Hawke plays this priest, and he becomes really he starts he starts making a diary, and he uh, he starts getting really anxious because he's visit Amanda Seyfried or however you say her name. She's in it as and well. Sex with her, movie. She's amazing. There you go. She's amazing. <laughs> She's amazing in the movie. I know how to say her name. <laughs> is it Seafried? I don't think it is. I think it's it, no Amanda. It's Amanda. It's Amanda Seafried. Okay. Or well, Seyfried. I don't know. We didn't talk about her I last name. We talked about Candy Crush, um, and then we were both half naked. Anyway, she's become amazing, an amazing 
actress. So. It's because she worked with me. There you go. That's why. <laughs> She's awesome in the movie. She has a husband who is like very depressed, and Ethan Hawke. She asks Ethan Hawke to go talk to him, and this guy who's I should have looked up his name. He's amazing in it too. Um, and Cedric the Entertainer, Mr. the Entertainer, is in it from Barbershop Two. From Barbershop and Barbershop, is he in Barbershop One and Barbershop Three? Yeah. I just like saying the sequel. <laughs> um, so, so he, he, yeah, so Ethan Hawke is this priest, and he goes to talk to this guy who is like, I don't want to, I don't want to us to get pregnant because I'm worried about bringing a child into this world. Um, and he's talking about how, like, the earth is deteriorating and everything is right. being destroyed. And Ethan Hawke starts having this huge crisis of, like, faith and, and everything. Yes. And it gets real dark. It's real dark, and it's, it's, um, it's not w shot in a wide aspect ratio. It's shot in, like, a postage stamp, mm -hmm. like, um, like TV used to be. And it feels so claustrophobic, claustrophobic yeah. and, like, I know some people who thought it was ridiculous, but I loved it. So you um, watching that, it's like so similar to what I felt watching Avengers Infinity War. Yes, exactly. Wow. There you go. Translation. Wow. <laughs> there you okay. go. Um, Just, what's your so number one? I have no idea what your number one is. My number one is really easy for me, and I didn't want to overthink it. It's the most fun I had at the theater this year, and it's the funniest comedy that I've seen in a couple years, and it's Game Night. Um, oh, yeah. With Jason Game Bateman Night. and Rachel McAdams, and it's one of the best ensemble pieces of comedy. Uh, it's so tight, and... Afterwards, I just got really excited that those movies, like, those are the movies I want to make, and those are the movies that I think I can help write. Definitely and a weird, quirky, kind of interesting Where everything comedy. ties together, everything's wacky, it's in the world, but it's not because of crazy things that are happening. It's a little messy around the edges, there's, like, one gag about Denzel Washington that makes no sense and is so dumb, um, but overall, it's, uh... It, it's um, it's just it's so so unbelievably funny, and I was hurting from how hard I was laughing. And Rachel McAdams, who's criminally just underrated in everything, is so funny. And I'm going through a little bit of a Jason Bateman renaissance right now. I'm I'm going through Arrested Development, you know, and he's, oh, that, he's that interview. Did you see that? Yeah, reporter. Yeah, Jesus. he's he. Yeah, that that was that was a tough one. Um, but regardless, he uh. And he came out and apologized for that. That's also like a yeah. very, I mean, that was just a little brutal. That was like it was brutal. brutal. It was brutal too because it was like she was right there, and, and she, she was, was even complimenting. She was complimenting him too. Yeah. Like she was like, was "You don't." She was like, "You don't act like this on set. Like, why are you defending him?" It yeah. was definitely one of those in instances where he was trying to get the show out unscathed and put everyone out under the bus yeah. to do that. Put her under the bus. It was so um, weird. Yeah, and also like Jeffrey Tambor, like. Yes, so talented and does great stuff, but like clearly should not be working. Like there's there's two different huge instances like should not be working. Yeah. Um, well, he's in one is like an so. anger issue, and the other is like a lot of the Me Too stuff. And anyway, Jason Bateman though, regardless, is so funny in that movie and uh, one of the under underrated comedians of our time. Um, and just just absolutely what a hilarious film. That's all. Yeah. My number one is Avengers: Infinity War. Don't no, you know what my number one if is. If you said that right now, Kyle, I, I would cry. I would be yeah. so happy. What's well, my like, number one something? It's your, um, yeah, go for it. Give my it. number one movie is Paddington 2. <sighs> yes. 
It might be my number one too. I haven't seen it. So Listen, I'm just telling you. I'm telling you, everybody, everybody. I know everybody thinks I'm trolling them by saying that Paddington no, you're Two not. is the best movie of the year. It is. It's just one of the most incredibly enjoyable, funny, heartwarming, inventive. It's like the best Wes Anderson movie that's come out in like ten years. Like it's incredible. The way that it... And Hugh Grant. Wes Anderson did not direct it, just so no, you know. No, 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 he didn't. But it, it, it has... It feels like um, like the guy who did Amelie mixed with um, uh, Wes Anderson. Mm-hmm. With, like... It's so funny. And it's so... It keeps... I was sitting there... I saw it with Sam French, who also is uh, in love with it. Like Yeah, you both, you both came out like there was some stains on your pants. It was mind-blowing. Yeah. Well, we were sitting there and we were just like, because it was like, oh, it's cute. You know, they both have like 100% on Rotten Tomatoes, but I'm always kind of like, well, whatever. Um, <laughs> what? Every critic, literally their name is critic and all yeah, of them love it. That whatever. Mean, that could mean that like everybody just like thought it was good. I, like thought it was good. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Um, but it's so, like, it just kept topping itself and it all is of a piece and Hugh Grant is hysterical in it. Like, best Hugh Grant performance. Like, since he had sex with that prostitute while married yeah. to, to yeah. Elizabeth Hurley. And Brendan Gleeson's in it, too, as a as a prison chef. And it's also kind of making commentary on, like, the industrial prison complex. It's great. I uh, I want you to know that on the same flight that I watched Borg McEnroe, yeah. Paddington 2 was, like, playing for everybody. Yeah. Maybe it was a different flight, but Paddington 2 was playing for everybody. And I thought to myself... I'll never be able to live this down if I watch Paddington 2 on a plane and hate it, and you and Sam would be like, that's because you watched it on a plane, so no. I refuse to no. watch it. I, if you don't like Paddington 2, you just don't have a soul. I'm, so. I know I'm going to love Paddington <laughs> So, even if it's not your favorite like movie, it. it's like, it's just so good. Yeah, but Paddington 2 is a lose-lose for me. Because if I like it, you're going to have liked it more. There's no way I could like it more than you, so that's a lose. And if I hate it, you'll just kick me out. We won't even live together anymore. It's not a lose-lose. You're going to feel so much joy at it. You're going to just be such a... You feel like a better person because you're excited. And I haven't even seen Paddington 1. Oh, you you did see it, though. I saw it since. You hadn't seen it. I hadn't seen it. Which is great. That means it's stood on its own. Can we just, on the count of three, say what our worst movie of this year has been so far? Yeah, but are we going to do... The worst. Oh movie? yeah, we can go through. Let's let's do them. Yeah, my my number three. Are we doing the same three, two, one? No, okay. no, no, oh, okay. no, no, no. Let me do my number three first. Okay, you do. My number, number three, three is Ready Player One. Okay, well, I that, mean, I'm also yeah. kind of excluding Fifty Shades because it's just like why? Because we know. Because we know. But like, Fifty Shades wasn't better than Ready Player One. It was. It was more entertaining to watch. Oh gosh. Wow. Ready Player One. It okay. was like. Okay. It was like. You know what I mean? Like I had a. Great That's really time. hard for me to to hear, but yes. I, okay. It's an awful movie, but like I also like Fifty Shades. That's been coming out for three years, and like they're always bad. Yeah. Okay. But like they're like. They're like a like a Ready Player One. I also don't go see like horrible movies. Like I I accidentally see horrible movies. Right. And I'm giving Wrinkle in Time the benefit of the doubt because what I think Wrinkle in Time was absolutely horrible. But but here's something about something I appreciated about Wrinkle in Time is that it had this vibe of like the never ending story and something. And I was just like I haven't seen a movie that was like trying to do something like this. In a really long time, and I feel like it had at least like it's batshit. Like 
like Reese Witherspoon turns into like a kale leaf and flies, flies. around. Yes. And Oprah is huge. And the little boy, we is need, terrifying. We all need to remember the little boy the when li- we do the sinkies at the end of the year because <laughs> he, the little boy, is oh my like, god. He's it's you know what? He got them paychecks. That's what matters. It's he, crazy. He cash those it's checks. Okay. Yeah, it's just a horrible. His movie, family is like, gonna be set. But what what I what I what is more depressing to me because I I saw I saw inspiration behind that. However, fail. And I will give a little bit of points to that. I saw no inspiration behind Ready High Player One. I hate going to these movies where, number one, it completely, it's directed by Steven Spielberg, and it misses the most Spielberg part of any Spielberg movie, which is that the fact that, and the, the, a very important part of the book, which is that the boy hates the place that he lives in. Mm-hmm. You don't get that at all. The place that he lives in is so cool, you don't understand that it's this escape. Yeah. Then you're watching this movie where you're just no... I hate looking at things that are like, that's crazy that they made that. Like, that probably took so much time. And, like, it's crazy that, like, a movie looks like this. But, like, I'm filled with nothing but, like, this is dull. This is so Mm. boring. I hated it. Hated it. How does it make you feel, Kyle? I hated Ready Player One. (laughs) Well, Ready Player One is not... um, is not in my three. Yeah, what's your three? Um, my number three is Pacific Rim Uprising. Oh my god! I went to the. I wanted to go year. to the box office. I wanted to go to the box office and say, "Can I have my money back? Like, is there? Can we come to an agreement that I can have my money back?" Yeah. Holy! You would think that because Charlie Hunnam wasn't in this one and he was the worst part of the first one, that it would be better. Yeah. It's not. It's no, worse. The first and one's also, so good. You just remember, like, oh, yeah, Guillermo del Toro is, like, good at this, and yeah. whoever they're going to get to replace him is not him, and it is so bad. It is bad on every level. It was so, so, so terrible, and, uh, yeah, that's all I got to say about it. You want to do your number two? Yeah, my number two is, is Mamma Mia, Share We Go Again. <laughs> <laughs> Which, I, in, my, in my defense, I love the first Mamma Mia, and I'm going to hold some people to take some people to task right now. Okay. Because you cannot, you cannot tell me. There are, there are two responses to Mamma Mia as a, as a, as a franchise now. Okay. There are two responses to it. Okay. One, which is me, it's, it's, it's just like a great time. It's super fun. It's dumb. It's these like A-listers, like just having a ball okay. with like ABBA songs. Or you can say, that's really stupid. I don't want to fucking see that. Yeah. And both are valid. But you cannot tell me... I'm in the latter group. Continue. You cannot tell me that if you saw the first one and you thought that the first one was stupid, you cannot tell me that the second one is, like, good. Mm Mm-hmm. It's it's insane. It's because the second one what what the second one is is it is it (laughs) it has no ABBA songs you know except for some rehashes from the first one and then share okay, we'll get to share in a second. Um, it, it has, it has no ABBA songs, you know, so you're, you're not bopping to any of the songs. Spoil, a spoiler alert. Meryl Streep's character is dead. She's literally dead. I thought they would just like kind of write around her like she was on vacation or something. She's literally dead. And that's, so and nobody that's knows crime. how, nobody knows how, like. She just mysteriously she, passed. She, she, she cannonballed off the dock singing Dancing Queen and drowned. Or something. I literally believed you for yeah, two seconds. Nobody knows. Nobody knows what happened. Nobody like nobody actually knows or nobody no, they talks don't say about in it. The, they don't say in the movie. So oh my god, let me just break down let me just get, can I just break down on Mia for like a little second? Yeah, here? go for it. Okay. So like 
So the first one's fun if you're down for it because it's just stupid and it's got these like ABBA songs that like everybody knows and it's got this cast like led by Meryl Streep with like Pierce Brosnan and Colin Firth and Julie Walters and Kristen Baranski Dominic and Cooper. Stellan Skarsgård. Yeah, it's everybody. And they're having a ball and it's just fun. And this one, they're barely in it because it's like Godfather Part 2 where like it's interspersed with like Amanda Seyfried's having a crisis on the island and she's upset. because I'm not in it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and it's cut, then it cuts back to that Lily James girl who's like great. She's in, she was in Cinderella and Baby Driver. She doesn't have a name. She's just Cinderella to me. Lily James. She's just Cinderella no, and Baby she's Driver good. and she's Cinderella good, like, in Mamma Mia We don't want to watch... Cinderella. We don't want to watch like young people who we don't know behave like idiots. Yeah. You know? We yeah. want to watch, like, Meryl and and them behave like idiots. If you want to watch young people behave like idiots, you see Pacific Rim Uprising. There you go. Yeah, and it doesn't work, so they both suck. <laughs> so anyway, but, I will say this. Um, Cher comes in at the end, and she is just, like, you, it is a, it is a little bit of a masterclass in just, like, a presence. Like, she just blows up the movie for three minutes, and then she's gone. It's that's, that's literally what she's going to do to Broadway, too. She's going to blow up Broadway for three minutes with her musical. She's an icon. There's three shares in the new share musical, guys. There's three shares. I know. What's better than one share? Three shares. So my number two and my number one are the same movie, because this movie is terrible. It's a wrinkle in time. Yeah. That movie... I. In Pacific Rim, I wanted to go get my money back. In Wrinkle yeah. in Time, I wanted to get my life back. But didn't I wanted kind that two think hours it was, back. Didn't you kind of think it was amazing how bad, <laughs> no. bad it kept getting? See, this is the difference. When you go into that like deep suckage territory, you're like, yes. Yeah, like, absolutely. You love that. Absolutely. I'm there, and I'm just like, get me out. These are the like, movies that just like, are not, boring. If we're doing a drinking game, like watching it at home, fantastic. But in the theater, I'm like, get yeah. me out. But I, but I stick it through, and I watch it to the end. It it's was so crazy. bad, and it's it was just crazy. like, how is this bad? Like these are these are people who are good. Like Ava DuVernay is great. Like there, I'm still so excited for what she's gonna do. And Reese Witherspoon is like one of my. I just watched Reese Witherspoon in one of the greatest things ever. And Mindy Kaling is like everything oh that's God, Mindy, great about The Office. They make Mindy and it's Kaling like what talk the in, talk in like quotations oh, because that's what the character does in the book. It's, oh my God, it's, what? it's so bad. But it's so bad it's good. It's, no, it's just It terrible. has a giant Oprah. It's it's wrinkles on my face because I got I aged. I aged so much stressing watching it. It was yeah. like and every time you're like oh this is gonna like this is gonna get better. Like, oh. And it does. Zach Galifianakis is in it. Okay, this is gonna be good. Oh, Michael Pena. He, I love Michael. No, it's everything is just terrible. It's so bad. It's a delight. And you're just like, <laughs> how? How did this happen? And, and I don't even know. So, the never, it truly was the never ending story. It was the never ending yeah. nightmare. Yeah, um, I, lo I loved it. And we all, we all <laughs> had such high hopes. I remember there was like an Oscar, there was a big like, Spot they did during the Oscars yeah. and made it seem like. To oh, be fair, like, I kind of thought it. I kind of thought it was going to be crazy from the get go. Once I saw like what they looked like. Well, the like, first trailer, like... the first trailer, I was like, "Wow, this looks different. This looks imaginative." And like, it was different. <laughs> you talk about like seeing things though. You talk about how you felt during Ready Player One of seeing things and being like, "Wow, we can doing that, do that," and feeling dead on the inside. Yeah, that's how I felt during Wrinkle. And yeah, time. well, I felt that it's. It, I, I. It was so annoying because there's several parts during the movie where like everybody is there's also so many close-ups in that movie like it's just not she like barely goes wide ever and she 
and like all the all the ladies, the witches or whatever the hell's going on, <laughs> they all like they all are Just like hocus pocus three looking over this vis these vistas and being <gasps> like so much of the movie is people looking at things and going oh my god like, it's amazing and you're like it's not it's literally pixels in a computer. <laughs> What's your number one? Avengers Infinity War. Oh, you dirty <laughs> devil! This You're is all. So- in this is all. Can I just get a few little digs in at Avengers Infinity War? No, you can't because we're just me. gonna fight. We're not gonna fight. I'm gonna say you one- literally had it is the worst movie of the year. Yes. You're so wrong. Okay. Go, just Let go, me. just go, and if, get off this podcast. If you, oh, then we'll be done. If you like movies. <laughs> If you like, <laughs> if, if you've ever, if you like eating nails, <laughs> if you've ever wanted to see a film adaptation of Super Smash Brothers, <laughs> intercut, intercut with a purple Josh Brolin spouting Malthusian <laughs> politics, and directed with all the personality of a Brillo pad, <laughs> and you want the end of the movie to spoiler. Be a, Everybody fucking saw this movie. It made it made billions of dollars. So if and if you want at the end of the movie there to be a cliffhanger that is immediately spoiled by the fact that all the characters are greenlit in other movies, then you will love Avengers Infinity War. Wow, guys, my eyes hurt. Um, <laughs> that's why. Have I you ever thought to yourself, I want to be circumcised by a shark? Go to see Avengers. Infinity War. I'm glad that you loved it. I, I really did, and um, I wasn't alone. Can you say a few can, movies catching that, them checks that I'm looking forward to? That please, please, yes. So these are coming out. These are coming out, and these are probably going to be the Oscars movies that we'll be talking about. So Tony Collette's definitely going to be talked about. Black Panther. Won't you be my neighbor? But we're oh, Jimmy left me. <laughs> keep going, keep going. We're talking about Black Klansmen. Which looks crazy. Black Klansman looks like it's going to be my favorite movie of the year. It looks I, I'm just like prepping it now. Like I just know myself, and I'm going to absolutely love Black Klansman. A Star is Born, which looks good. Oh my gosh, yes, it looks yeah. so good. Did not think I would... Uh, tra- again, great trailer. Beautiful Boy, which is the Timothy Chalamet, Steve Carell movie. Yep. If Beale Street Could Talk, which is the Barry Jenkins. Movie. Also the Steve Carell movie where he makes the, ki- the figures. Looks interesting. World of... Uh, oh, yeah. Uh... Oh, gosh, I'm forgetting the name of it. The Marwin Mar, Mar- World. I don't think it looks very good. Okay, but but I did see that trailer. Yeah, um, Bohemian Rhapsody. So excited. Which you're excited for. Yeah, I know you're not, but I'm very um, excited. It might be great. We'll see. Time will tell. Uh, Boy Erased, which is the Lucas Hedges, and we are in like we are balls deep in the Nicole Kidman Renaissance. Also, like, speaking of Lucas Hedges, mid '90s, the Jonah Hill movie. Which looks yeah, 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 yeah. very interesting. And Lucas Hedges plays the older brother of the main kid. He's blown up. Uh, Boy Race looks great. Uh, Widows, which is the Steve McQueen movie with Viola Davis. Have you seen anything for that? No, I haven't. It's going to be intense. I hate Steve McQueen. Um, First Man, the the Damien Chazelle movie about... Uh, saw, saw a six-minute clip of First Man while seeing Mission Impossible in IMAX. Holy cow. Mission we're, Impossible we're was on our list. Mission Impossible was very good. A very good honorable mention. I almost put Mission Impossible in instead of uh, my number 10 movie, um, Sicario, but uh, I just think Sicario was a little more interesting. But Mission Impossible was very, very good. Um, there you go. So that's what we'll be talking about. Come. So you'll have lots of us talking about... you don't like Steve McQueen. Oh, man, he's obnoxious. Oh, okay. So nasty. Such nasty movies. Uh, hey, this was fun. Yeah. 
Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary podcast. Thank you, Kyle. I'll end this by saying thank you so much for being along on this ride. This has been super fun yes. this year. And more Cheers. podcasts to come. We will do champagne. <laughs> <laughs> We're out.